It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, anything that happened over the weekend, anything you want to get off your chest, feel free to give us a call. You can text or WhatsApp. Already seen texts coming in to 0862-103-103. In a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking about what happened at some of our beaches at the weekend. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend. The sun was shining. People are staycationing all over the country and people decided to head for the beach. Were you one of those that headed to the beach yesterday? Did you have a nice relaxing day or was it a bit stressful because the roads leading to the beach are when you were leaving in the evening time, were they a little bit gridlocked? What's the solution? How do we get around it? Were you able to find parking? Please don't say that you were one of those people that just abandoned a car, but see me, that That was very much happening uh, yesterday as well. So we'll be discussing that in a couple of minutes. We're also going to be discussing the compulsory wearing of masks as and from uh, today. You could end up with quite a whopper of a fine two and a half thousand euro or you could end up in jail for not wearing a mask inside in a shop. I already saw a text in about this saying, Patricia, can you make it clear to the public read the wearing of masks? What's the difference between mandatory and law? And if it's a law to wear masks, who made that law? Well, the government signed the legislation to make it mandatory. There had been at the outset, we were asked and told we should wear masks. Remember, Michal Martin did that and then and I think I think people did I think there was a, a big buy into it but it wasn't certainly 100% so we knew they were going to go down the route of of putting it on the into the law books they put it put a right piece of legislation forward to cover it and they did and they it's I'm assuming it's the very same piece of legislation that they're using that made it mandatory to wear face coverings if you're on any public transport because public transport was certainly the first place where it became mandatory and where you could be fined and where the guardie could be called if you refused to wear a mask where a bus driver or a train inspector could either refuse to allow you on the train or ask you to leave the train or the bus if you didn't have a mask on or if you take it, took it off during the during the journey. So I'm assuming it's the same piece of legislation that they've used for the public transport that they're now using for shops. So we're going to be talking about that on the programme today. Michael says, Patricia, yes, as and from today, masks are mandatory, which I totally agree with and I have for some time because to me, 
that will be our vaccine as I can't see a vaccine being found in the very near future. Furthermore, what really worries me most of all are the outbreaks of COVID-19 in meat factories. How long have these outbreaks been hidden from the authorities? Most serious of all, has the COVID transferred onto the meat in these factories from coughing and sneezing and where has that meat gone? Has it gone into the supply chain? If so, when and where? There are so many questions that I would like asked, says uh, Michael, and I know contact tracing and testing is going to be ramped up in food processing factories across the country to try to prevent the further spread of uh, COVID-19. They are hoping, Paul Reid at the weekend was talking about this, that they, he says the testing and tracing was effective in identifying where outbreaks were emerging. But he says it was very much up to individuals and organisations to follow public health advice in order to prevent the spread of the risk of transmission. I'm with you, Michael, on the meat factories and how long have we known about it? The first case at a meat factory was on St. Patrick's Day, 17th of March. And then we end up with a situation where we have a lockdown now in three counties because of outbreaks at meat plants. We know if you look at any of the other countries, meat plants have been a problem right across the world. So it isn't anything new. I was thinking about this at the weekend the meat factories now have become what at one stage was the nursing homes. Remember when we had all the clusters in the nursing homes and how heartbreaking it was to have all of the clusters in the nursing homes. And of course, the knock on from the nursing homes was so many people died because of it. That is not going to happen in the meat plants, but it's certainly going to, we have to do something now to stop the spread. And the obvious one is to do what we did in the nursing homes Testing, testing, testing and more testing. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see that they are now starting to do mass testing in all of the meat plants. And to me, that's the way it should be. If, I, if, if, if you were putting me in charge, I would have weekly tests at all of the meat plants. And then at least they know if you identify a case, you can lock down that factory and make sure that nobody else, you know, and up the testing in that particular factory to make sure that it doesn't spread and doesn't spread out into the community because when you think about the plant in Kildare the really the plant where it was really bad and where they've had the most cases that started out with one case on the 1st of August one person presented with symptoms went away to get tested, was positive, very mild symptoms. And they decided then that they would test everybody else. 270 odd people were tested and 80 people turned out on the 3rd, got confirmation on the 3rd of August that they had tested positive for COVID-19 and not one of them had any symptoms. So we do need to be testing and doing a lot more testing, particularly in these meat factories that we just seem to have a problem. As I say, it's not just here in this country, it is all over the world. So we'll be discussing that on the programme today. We hear a call for taxis to provide contactless payments for their customers. If you've been in a taxi lately, some taxis seemingly are doing it, but there's a call now for all taxis to make sure that if somebody wants to, because a lot of people are not dealing with cash, prefer to deal with cards, but what happens if you get into a taxi, you don't have money and the taxi driver is not in a position to take your card uh, details. Also hearing about musicians and singers and the need for them to get back in some form and in some way to get back together, even if it's just playing music and singing together and it'll help alleviate uh, isolation and the knock-on effects that isolation can lead with mental health issues. And then we're going to try and give a helping hand to Glengariff Nature Reserve. They're looking for help in naming their eagle uh, chick and we'll find out more about the story of the eagle chick 
and then Annalise Dressel it is Monday she'll answer all of your nutritional questions after 12 now roads to beaches were gridlocked as thousands of people flocked to the coast during the weekend's mini uh, heatwave West Cork councillor Paul Hayes took to social media yesterday to warn people about heavy traffic in his uh, area and he joins me good morning to you Paul morning Patricia now did the West Cork beaches start to fill up pretty early um, at the weekend especially yesterday yeah, absolutely. Um, from from early morning, the temperature was actually quite high. I think it was even seventeen or eighteen degrees by nine thirty and ten o'clock yesterday. So I think everyone knew that we were in for a, an absolute scorcher of a day, and uh, we had a lot of tanned and uh, sunburnt legs and arms around the place today. But uh, it, it was gorgeous. But I suppose look, yeah, certainly the downside to um, encouraging everyone to holiday at home um, uh, this year. Um, has meant that there's a lot more people visiting the southwest in particular, um, lots of car registrations from up the country, but even residents that would usually be maybe on a foreign holiday at this time of the year are all staying at home. And um, yeah, certainly look through the holiday the home or a, yeah, a camping pitch to be got all over the southwest at the moment. So, And yeah. did the Gardaí get involved yesterday? They did, in fairness, like they were quite active, I must say, and it was, was it certainly was something that we've been asking in the council over the last while was, again, look, the, the, the Gardaí have to enforce um, any parking um, restrictions or whatever, like, you know, someone's parked on a double yellow line or parked stupidly, you know, obstructing uh, traffic. Uh, it is the Gardaí's role to, to, you know, to issue parking fines or, or to move people on like that. But yeah, in fairness, um, that's, I, I put that up in the post uh, on social media yesterday that uh, at the causeway uh, before you get to Inchidani and um, on the way down to the Red Strand and also at the Warren near Ross Carberry, uh, the Gardaí were there with a, with, a, with a presence turning cars back, you know, saying that, yeah, no more parking was to be had. The beaches were full and to, to move on. Like So I, I certainly welcome that. Yeah, because I saw the pictures again of the causeway to Barley Cove, gridlocked mm. uh, again. I mean, that's the second time in a fortnight. I mean, you'd have to worry if an emergency vehicle needed to get access. There wasn't a hope yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I mean, it, it happens every year. I mean, but certainly this year with increased volumes of people around the place, it's it's after exacerbating the, the issue. I mean, certainly, look, we, we've had residents onto us in recent years, like from the likes of Batty Resort Beach, a small little beach down near Bantry or to outside Red Strand and all that. And again, people have been just, you know, they'll, they'll abandon the car, as you said earlier, anywhere they're, they're parking across people's entrances, you know, hemming in. Uh, residents, um, and that's not fair. In. That's simply Absolutely not fair. Not. Definitely not. And as I said, certainly, look, we've had a number of situations in West Cork in recent years when we had to get uh, emergency vehicles into uh, into the beach area for whatever reason, and you know it was it was really difficult. Like, and as I said, we've been fortunate this year so far, as, as far as I'm aware, that we haven't needed to get like a, an ambulance or a fire brigade in. But yeah, certainly uh, some, from some, some of the footage I've seen in social media pictures, it would be near impossible if, if an emergency vehicle needs to get in. Like, and it, it does really come down to personal responsibility. I mean, we, we in, the, in the council will be exploring different options as we have been doing. But look, if you know that you're, you're parking across somebody's driveway, um, or you're you're jutting your car out halfway across the road, and clearly an ambulance or whatever could couldn't pass. Then you know that that's your responsibility, and, and you need to move on and and move your car further up the road. Or as I've been saying to people, look, you know, we'd all love to go to the Inchidanis or the Red Strands or the Warrens of this world, but we, we have 90 miles of coastline here in in, in Cork. Um, 
you know, so look if the place that you wanted to go to is jammers and, and, and packed and uh, congested already. And if you, you don't get if you don't get up yeah. and get down there early enough. Yeah, move, move on, on move on somewhere else. Going. Because, you know, you're right when you mentioned we're asking everybody to staycation. But, you know, these kind of conversations about traffic congestion, we seem to have it every time the sun comes out, whether we're asking people to staycation or, or not. I mean, there's not a lot we can do about the narrow roads. Is there leading to a lot of these scenic beaches? I suppose, look, I mean, we've been liaising with local area engineers over the last number of years and we have tried to improve, you know, we widened the causeway and the, the, we've resurfaced the roads um, going down to Inchidani, for example, um, and, and other uh, beaches around as well. And, you know, certainly, you know, we brought up at our, a recent council meeting, um, you know, a, a number of other options, you know, that we could explore, um, possibly using council land adjacent to beaches, you know, to provide extra parking, which was done out at the Warren, um, which gets sort of kind of an overflow car park provided there. And again, we were asking that maybe landowners with, you know, a field adjacent to a beach as well, that they would be approached to maybe opening a field for, for extra parking to be allowed in there. But again, I suppose it's a fine line between, you know, it trying to attract more people to an area because we're obviously still trying to keep the whole social distancing concept um, very much in, in people's minds. And I think, you know, when the weather was fine there back in March and April, you know, we were obviously inclined to go to the beach and stuff like that, but we were very mindful of social distancing. And, you know, I think people needed to get a, a dose of reality and say, hold on a second now, you know, things are, are slipping a fair bit. And I think there's a touch of that again at the weekend. People were getting very complacent. And I think the whole social distancing aspect of things has gone out the window to some degree. And you can see numbers obviously increase around the country. Um, this virus hasn't so, yeah. gone away? No, no. And we, we like, I mean, it is it is fantastic that we have limited to some degree. Look, we have our, some of the bars and restaurants open and we have some, you know, good good quality of life, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, compared to a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago. And we don't want to be going back to the, the earlier phases of, you know, not going beyond two or five kilometres beyond our home. Um, I think we all enjoy you know, if we want to jump into the car and go to Kerry for the day or, you know, down to down to, down to Mizzen or somewhere like that, you know, and I, I think we, we really need to be mindful that, you know, we're going to be living with this for the next number of months and, until we have a vaccine, I'd imagine. And I just think people need to probably cop on a bit too, you know, and, and uh, you know, as I said, keep keep the social distancing aspect of things um it's very, very much in their thoughts. You know. Yeah, yeah, and just learn to live with it. Stay there. Uh, your fellow councillor, John O'Sullivan, wants to get in on this. Uh, good morning, John. Um, John, par- your point is parking is the big issue, isn't it, when you get to the beach? It is really, yeah, it is. And it's uh, it's something that, you know, that I've raised a couple of times when we were opening the towns. And I said, we should have paid attention to, to the beach, just more attention. And I made the suggestion, and it just didn't seem to resonate, that landowners, could be approached to to maybe make car parks, or, but the one the one issue that that would have to be dealt with is, is liability. If somebody fell or somebody hit another car on, on, a, on a property owner, that local authority or somebody would have, there would have to be a clear li- li- liability to cover that. Or something. Yeah, because that's, that's one one of the areas that would make landowners fearful about opening up a field, isn't it? Absolutely, and that that's the principal issue. I mean, I I've seen in general you you you'll find around landowners, and, and they love to see people coming. They meet people that they meet once a year or whatever it is, and they like to see people enjoying themselves. But you just have this fear of, of liability. You have the the issue if something happened and there was a claim, 
would you be left sitting on your own because you did the Good Samaritan and, and opening a gate or whatever it was? And I, I think there'd be many landlords would have no issue with, with opening a gate, a grass field, for the sake of four or three or four or five weekends in the year to, to, to cover to cover the problem. But the issue of public liability would, would you would you lose what you have because of doing it? And, and, you know, and are you, do, 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 do I also see in the screen you're talking about the the roads just not made for the amount of traffic that wants to go there on a, you know, a weekend like we we had just gone. The hedges aren't even cut back. Hedges aren't cut back. And there's one thing I, I can't understand. We and we obli- obey the laws and that here. Would you go to the UK, go to Wales, go to Scotland, all the, all the verges in particular are trimmed lovely and neat. It makes a fantastic difference to the width of the roads. Uh, even for people walking for, for anything else, and I, 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 there seems to be two two standards applied. We, we seem to go, going for for the wild west in in, in this country, where everything is they've go go overboard. It's narrowing the road by up to half in places. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. Particularly on some of those roads uh, that you're talking about, the, car, the cars passing them, they're scratching paint, but they're, they're doing lots of things. You know, it, 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 I I just think we, we we've got to revisit it. It's a little bit like that. That, that uh, public regulation is taking care of everything except the people. Okay, all right, uh, John. Listen, right. thank you for that. Um, and just one final uh, point to you, uh, Paul. Uh, illegal campfires we're hearing about that were lit on Long Strand in in the dunes, which uh, a special area of, of conservation, and also on the Warren Beach uh, near Oscarbury on Saturday night. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I, I, I was sent pictures and, and tagged on different things and uh, on Twitter and Facebook as well. Yeah, I, I spotted that. All right, like again, as I said, look, I mean, I know we've all probably done, you know, done our campfires and you know roasted marshmallows and things like that. But certainly, look, there's there's areas that you know there's signs up from the council and things like that, that not to be doing that in special areas of conservation. So again, as I said, it, it's down to personal responsibility from the council point of view. We can litter the place with signage saying. Or discouraging people to do this or whatever, like the Gardaí or council officials can't be everywhere at, you know, at 24 hours a day. So I, I think it does have to go back on, on people to be aware of the surroundings. Again, there was a, an advertising campaign uh, launched last week, you know, called Love This Place, Leave No Trace. Mm. And I think that was a really good message because, I mean, we're all enjoying the coastline in different places and parks and woods, wooded areas and stuff like that. But it's absolutely dreadful then to see go in in the, in the morning and uh, see cans and, and bottles and different things strewn all over the place or you know, tents and stuff left after you. Like, and it, it's just dreadful that people come to an area to enjoy it because you know it's, it's naturally beautiful and then leave it in an absolute mess. Like, so again, yeah, it's shocking. It's, I saw the, it's, the it's pictures terrible. that came out of Skull and the vandalism in Skull was just gut wrenching. Yeah, yeah. uh, it really was. And then on a more positive and I know we're sharing this on, on our Facebook uh, page uh, Paul I'm, I'm assuming you've seen it from the Atlantic Whale and Wildlife Tours the the stunning video that Deputy Christopher Sullivan took of the did you see that dolphin in Slow? I did, I oh did. my Absolutely. goodness yeah yeah uh, I mean like I mean where, where I'm living here near Broadstrand we've, we go out on the, on the kind of coastline walk even and, and you'd have dolphins in in Broadstrand Bay there some Brilliant. mornings when you're, when you're going on a walk but yeah it's like the lads that and the Atlantic um, whale watching, you know, have been absolutely flying it over the last couple of weeks. Brilliant. I mean, the the, huge, the biggest uh, mammals and animals in the world just off our coastline here, the 
the whales and, and the, the footage is just incredible so yeah I, I, I definitely need to, to try and book a slot in it and, and get out there again soon and enjoy and it have the camera and have the camera rolling just for that moment alright Paul listen thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us and actually when we touched on those illegal campfires that were been that was set in the dunes in Longstrand and uh, in the Warren Beach and the fact that Paul ties it in with that campaign love this place leave no trace can I just give a reminder if you are going to the beach and you know the weather forecast for this week is quite good as well and we've got a couple of weeks left before the children go back to school and there will be lots of people staycationing and there will be lots of people going to the beach even if it's just for a day out portable barbecues now this issue with how portable barbecues and how dangerous they can be on a beach setting I remember we dealt with this a number of years ago with an incident that happened in Dublin on a beach in Dublin lo and behold the very same incident I was reading about it on a Facebook page from Devon over in England at the weekend and it was a a mum posted up a picture of her little boy I'd say a two year old no more than than two, with his feet completely bandaged. They had had a day out on the beach and the little two-year-old, as two-year-olds do, running along the beach. Somebody had had one of these disposable barbecues and no doubt they had their lunch on and then decided to bury it in the sand. You know the heat from those disposable barbecues literally just covered it with sand. This little boy had no way of knowing that this disposable barbecue had been buried he ran across it and the soles of his feet got really badly burnt God help him and his mum posted up a picture of him saying she did a desperate night the poor child was in agony all night blisters on both of his feet and she just posted it tried to get the message to people if you want to bring your little disposable barbecue with you to the beach it's a lovely idea but please you know you're by the sea get the water and put it out and make sure you completely put it out and then bring it home with you love the place leave no trace but please do not bury disposable barbecues because they can remain hot for hours after you've ended up cooking your sausages and your burgers and uh, gone home and just think what can happen to a small child like that or even even an adult but just worse for a, a child soles of his feet are completely burned so we give it out as a word of warning to people bring your disposable barbecues home with you please 1850 <laughs> And I can see a number of people are agreeing with Councillor John O'Sullivan who was talking about the hedges and the verges and the overgrown hedges and of course with the Wildlife Act the hedges can't be cut. Somebody says we can't even walk the byroads in West Cork let alone drive on them. Some of them are so overgrown some farmers and landowners do not bother bother cutting the ditches at all come on the council please do something about it 1850 now as we've already mentioned this morning it is now mandatory to wear face coverings in all shops and retail centres from today but the big question is who's going to enforce these measures Vincent Jennings is with the Convenience Stores and News Agents Association of Ireland and Vincent joins me good morning to you Vincent Good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Now, firstly, do your members welcome the introduction of these measures? Oh, very much so. 
very much so. It's been it's been something that's been necessary for quite some time to put clarity on it. Um, I mean, we are. I mean, you don't have to be told, Patricia. You're dealing with the day in day out. We're in an extraordinarily difficult situation, and um, the, the, the the original uh, instruction that we're all in this together is no more true now, or no less true now than it was beforehand. Uh, we are all in this together, and whatever all of us collectively can do to you know, turn back this this this, this plague and this scourge, uh, we all have a duty in this matter. So yes, we do well. Absolutely, and I think at the beginning there was a little bit of mixed messaging around the masks, and I think in fairness to Neffet, they were trying to make sure there would be enough masks for the frontline staff. But the evidence is there. We keep each other safe by wearing these masks. Yeah, and I mean, I don't blame Neffet or, or the Department of Health for, 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 for some of the, what now in hindsight might be considered to have been uh, incorrect or incomplete instructions. But we're learning more on a worldwide basis about, about this virus and how difficult and, 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 and belligerent it is and aggressive it is. So, I mean, we, we certainly see now that masks are part of, they're not the panacea themselves, good and it would be great if they were, but face coverings are not the panacea in full, but they are part of the effort and we all have to mask up and we all have to ensure that we can protect our fellow uh, citizens from, 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 from this virus. Will staff in all shops, Vincent, also have to wear face coverings? They will if they're not protected by a screen, yeah. Okay. And that, again, is, is from, from, from today. Uh, and God, enforcement is the one that we seem to be getting the most questions about this morning, uh, Vincent. What guidance has your industry been given about enforcement? Unusually for the Department of Health, they actually did engage with, <laughs> with stakeholders because ordinarily they're, they're, um, they're, they're more secretive than North Korea. But um, no, there, there has been engagement and we have had a clear direction on what the expectations from the from state and civil society is uh, relating to uh, shops. Uh, our obligations are to ensure that customers are notified of their, of their obligations. Uh, and that is by way of signage, that is by way of posters, that is by way of, if there is a PA system, uh, frequent announcements. Uh, it's not a matter of, of us to actually walk over to somebody on the basis of uh, another customer saying that person isn't wearing a mask. That's not our job, nor should it be. And I mean, we're not we're we're not medical medically qualified to. Uh, if a person says I don't wear it because I have a condition or I'm one of the exempted people, uh, because of this condition, be that physical or mental, then that has to go for us. They're they're not obliged to find it, to show a certificate, and that's the way not only here but in most other. Uh, places where, where masks are mandatory. I mean, would you be hopeful that Irish people will simply police this themselves and people yeah, will I, just I mean, wear their I mean, masks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've moved on quite a bit from the uh, from the smoking ban and from the plastic bags, but many people felt it would never work in yeah. Ireland. We had, and, and we had collectively perhaps a very poor idea of how our fellow citizens would act. But I mean, I think that you'll find that you know, we bought into the uh, plastic bags and we bought into the smoking ban uh, collectively and, and, and we will buy into this as well, most certainly. There will be some peer pressure that will actually bring it about. But by and large, people, everybody knows somebody who is compromised. Everybody has somebody who is, uh, uh, be that a neighbour or a relation or who is elderly or is, 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 is potentially at risk or additional risk. And God knows in this country, everybody knows somebody who's a little bit obese or a little bit large. Um, so it is for, for, for all of their sakes, as well as our own, that it is so important that we all do this together. And we just have to get into the habit of always having the masks with us. 
that's probably one of the hardest ones, particularly like when you do your weekly shopping petition, you go to your super value, you go to the local supermarket, whatever, you, you may well have that that's part and parcel of it, kept in the bag, whatever, it's been ironed and washed and everything like that. But when you're doing the, you know, the petrol run and popping in for a newspaper, going in, it's not just, of course, for, for, for retail outlets, it's a whole lot of other places. So paradoxically and unusually, not for banks and post offices and, and, and credit unions, they are exempted, but everybody else has to. Uh, and so when it's a short-term thing, you know, you pop in, you get 20 bits worth of petrol, and you, 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 you run in, you may well forget it. And, and, and there will be understanding, it has to be understood, that those, those things will happen. But by and large, have more than one mask. Yeah. Have one at home have one in the, in, in, in the office or uh, have one in your in, in, in your handbag or otherwise. Keep it with you in the same way as you keep your car keys or your phone nowadays. Yeah, I've twice walked to the door of a shop and, oh, yeah. and walked a walk back to the car well to, and that'll put manners on me and I, and, and I really will start to remember it. I didn't realise banks, post offices and credit unions are exempt. Mm, they're exempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can imagine that there's queues in those places which will be much larger than in some of the corner shops that are mandated to do so. Yeah, I want. Do you know? Have you any understanding as to why that is? Oh, it's, oh the so-called security thing. But I mean, oh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah but, but, but see, our members and everybody else has security issues. I mean, we we're subjected to potential armed robberies just as much. And um, I think, to be perfectly honest with you, this uh, this is wrong. There shouldn't be any 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 anomalies like that whatsoever. No exclusions for. Should be just ac- across the board, yeah, particularly the board. for what we're wearing the masks for and I, and I did see the mandate trade union at the weekend saying expecting shop assistants to enforce this rule would be dangerous yeah. uh, and, and you'd agree with that would you? Oh absolutely absolutely uh, yeah absolutely uh, not only dangerous but it's not, it's not required but I mean Maybe maybe the vast majority of, of people who would be, and I wouldn't use the word confronted, but who would be, somebody would go and say, you know, where's your mask? They may take that in a reasonable case. But you never know what's going on in somebody's life. And that could be the trigger for, you know, somebody just have a over-the-top outburst and the next thing, somebody gets assaulted or the like, and then it's where does it come then? And all for what? Um, for the sake of, a, of of somebody wearing a face covering, so it's it's for the people themselves to do it. We certainly will not be uh, uh, expecting our staff to police it, and the, the law itself does not require us to do so. Okay, and it is a face covering because I know some people face are saying covering. I can't can wear mask, one of those masks. No, can be a visor. Other yeah. people are using scarves. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. Whatever works for, what gives protection against other people uh, uh, to other people from you. That you know you're. You're trying to prevent. It's not necessarily somebody receiving uh, the virus from, from 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 others. You're protecting others from 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 um, from what could be coming from your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Vincent, the convenience stores and the news agents. Did you did, did all of your members continue right throughout the lockdown? We did. We were yeah. considered to be an essential service, and. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, we were very happy to be able to provide that service into the community and um, are continuing to do so. Um, you know, home deliveries are being done, you know, through the GAA and through other uh, voluntary bodies that have been, you know, uh, and still are a whole load of uh, projects set up uh, and, and, and that we're part of. It's it's so important that, um, that, that people can get their food, can get their medicines, can, can get contact. And, and, and I mean, I would know a number of people who would be 
compromised who, but for the sake of the of the, of the local shop, they would be in dire straits. They would be very worried, and and it's a tough enough time without adding additional worries. To people. Yeah. So yeah, we were very happy to be considered to be essential. Well done, uh, well so, done, well done. You yeah, kept uh, all those little shops kept the that, country but, going, but, but in a in a completely disproportionate fashion. We, I think we can definitely say that as an industry, and that would be big, little and small, of all of those people who are selling, providing groceries, providing beverages throughout the country, we have a unique history of being very, very, very well uh, in, in terms of how many people or how few people have actually contracted within our stores, mm. unlike other, other, other sectors which are in the news this week. Well done. That's something to be proud of as well on Indeed behalf of your is. members. Indeed yeah, it is. well done. Yeah. Well done. We'll talk again, Vincent. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Good Bye-bye. morning to you, Vincent Jennings, their convenience stores and uh, news agents association on the mandatory wearing of face coverings from today. Due to COVID 19, the big summer concerts are all off, but the biggest stars will still play this summer. One, two, three. The Backgarden Festival. It's a new online station that plays non-stop festival hits from the ultimate superstar lineup. Round the clock every day. The Backgarden Festival with Harvey Norman, your specialist in sound this summer. Get all the lowdown and listen live on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. Now, taxi passengers need to be provided with with cashless payment options in all taxis as a matter of public health. That's according to the Fine Gael Senator Jerry Bottomer, who uh, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Jerry. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. You're welcome to the programme. Wasn't this issue addressed by the National Transport Authority last year? It was, but it hasn't come to a conclusion. And the consultation process that the NTA commissioned and oversaw regarding cashless facilities and taxis has not been finished or completed in part because of COVID-19. Um, and I think now, given the the experience that we've all had in terms of using cash or contactless payment, uh, that there needs to be urgency brought to the matter by COVID-19. Um, and I think there needs to be greater consultation and greater engagement with taxi drivers. And I've spoken to a significant number here uh, many of whom are, are, are open to the suggestion, are concerned about maybe the cost involved with them. But I don't believe for a second, Patricia, that we can afford to wait now for, for the for the virus to go away. Um, I think it's important that we can, to our own personal and working lives, readapt and, and whatever that, in inverted commas, new normal is, uh, make sure that we can bring this, in this particular case, to the next level. Um, do some taxis already offer cashless options? They do indeed. And, okay. and in fact, in, in if you take a Dublin Airport, for example, the Taxi Lounge of Ireland and, and also other taxi drivers here in Cork have an agreement with the um, Econ Merchant Solutions um, since 2019 where they're partnering, uh, you know, a system whereby there is not a huge fee uh, to be incurred by the taxi driver. Um, and I just hope that, you know, that the NTA can, can continue to consult, you know, with the taxi drivers um, and then to increase uh, the availability of, 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 of the, you know, the contactless payment. You know, we don't need to have the terminus that we're familiar with in the shop the whole time. You know, Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal, you know, Revolut, um, you know, the cards. You know, we've all now seen a variety of ways in which we can pay differently. Um, and and, and you, you mean, is there much of a cost involved for taxi operators to install? Well, a 
part of the consultation, you know, there was a discussion about it being a 5% fair increase, but, oh. you know, I, I think we can avoid that because, I mean, if you, as you know, like some of the mecha- me- mechanisms I've mentioned, you know, do not have a fee involved. And, yeah. And I think there needs to be greater consultation with the taxi drivers around that um, because, to be fair, they're, they're open uh, to the idea of contactless and cashless payment. Um you know, yeah, but I, I was, I was when I, when I knew you were coming on today, I was reading up on the weekend about this. And I mean, I was reading, like, for example, that some taxi drivers are concerned about a card being declined and they could end up without a, a fare. You could picture the scene at two, three in the morning. I mean, that's a genuine concern on behalf of taxi drivers. It absolutely is. And, and that's why it's important that the consultation period is brought to is It's first of all resumed. Secondly, that it's brought to to, to conclusion, but also in the interim that there's consultation uh, around what we can do. Um, you know, partnering with, with various digital uh, payment um, groups or bodies is becoming the norm. We can implement a cashless transaction system in taxis without incurring an, an inordinate fee. Um, and, and as you know, and your listeners will know, cashless and contact payment has become the new normal, where we're li- limiting physical contact with um, or, or, or um, you know, cash or coin. Um, and we've seen a significant increase. I mean, for example, in Dublin Airport, the, 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 there was a survey carried out where 48% of passengers uh, would prefer to have uh, the use of debit or credit card. And that rose to 69% for business travellers. So there's a growing trend around the world to use credit, debit cards, or other kind of cashless payments. Um what we must try and do is to ensure, first of all, that we can partner with various digital payment providers so that we can implement this cashless transaction system. Secondly, then, it's important through the new normal public transportation system uh, that we would not, you know, ensure that taxi drivers have to have, you know, another transaction cost. This can be done. Uh, and I'm quite confident that the NTA, through the different, you know, um, entities can can work on this. Okay, you can but you, you and and I agree with you that we are as a nation, and I think lockdown in particular pushed it on. We are moving towards more towards a cashless society. But do you accept that that doesn't suit everyone, especially elderly people? Absolutely, and and and, and I, I I fully accept that. And 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 there are legitimate concerns if you raise the point there about the person uh, who, whose car declines or who decides that they give them a false car, then we need to work on how we can do, you know, a mechanism around that, and whether it's through Revolut or, Re- Re- sorry, Revolt or, or others, uh, we can do that. But I think, you know, at the moment, what we are seeing is a different mentality. Um, and, and the delay in rolling it out now, I, I don't think that that's good enough to say that it's because of COVID-19. We can continue the process, and I would hope the NTA, who have been progressive, to be fair, um, around that, and I've spoken, and I, I, I would have to go back again to Bobby Lynch, the Cork uh, Taxi Council spokesperson, who was who was involved in in the in the, um, the, the consultative process in the taxi forum. You know, uh, they've raised legitimate concerns, uh, and and I think to be fair to uh, to them, they must be listened to, uh, and it can't be about dictat; it has to be about consultation, um, and and I hope that will happen. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. No doubt this is an issue we will return to. In the meantime, Jerry, thank you for that and thanks for joining us.
Can I just thank you for your work during the pandemic and the way in which you, you've made life so easy for people in a very difficult time, you and your programme, John Paul and the others in your programme. Thank you for what you do. It's great to listen to, to, to radio that is positive, that is also a challenging, but also provides information and is a source of hope and inspiration and a company for many people. So thank you for your great That's work. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Good morning to you. That is... Bye-bye. Uh, uh, Gael, uh, Senator Jerry Bottomer. Just seen a WhatsApp in from Councillor Paul Hayes, who we spoke with uh, earlier on in this hour about traffic congestion, particularly in West Cork yesterday with people trying to get to and from the beaches. He was just back on by WhatsApp to say that he's also asked the council to use their social media platforms and text alert services to update the public on traffic or congestion around the beaches and he's hoping that'll be implemented shortly uh, too. Thanks again. Uh, that's a really good idea because you know the social media is in real time as well and it will be a great way for people to check and this could be something that could ha- happen nationwide. You go onto your local council's Facebook, Twitter, Insta, whatever it is just to see and they can say well at 12 o'clock today all the car park spaces at Inchidani or all the car park spaces at the Warren, all gone. Are there's availability on such and such a beach? If you're heading to the beach, go to this beach because it's less busy. That's a really, really uh, good idea. Let's see. Does, do the council pick up on that? Thank you for that, Paul. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break. We've got news at 11 on the way. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Tess, uh, one of our listeners who listens to us in Jersey. Good to have you along as always. Uh, Tess has WhatsApped into us about cashless society that we touched on in the last time. We were speaking with Senator Jerry Bottomer and he's calling for taxis uh, to provide cashless payments uh, for people who want to and that more and more people particularly during the lockdown more and more people decided to go with contactless payments and some of the shops are actually promoting it and you know they feel it's the safer way of helping not spread coronavirus particularly so they won't be having to handling money uh, so much but it doesn't suit everyone and I did say that we do seem to be moving towards a cashless society but it doesn't suit everyone and Tess agrees she said listening to you here in Jersey sorry but I don't agree with cash payments uh, for card payments payments for everything. Cash is slowly being withdrawn and I feel it's easier for me to use cash as I can only spend what I have available to me and not get myself into a debt also. Very confusing for some older people. Keep up the good work. Thank you for that uh, Tess and you're right and I think a lot of people will agree with you on that and that's why they like, people like to deal in cash because you can only spend what's in your wallet or what's in your purse whereas if you've got a card there is the danger that you might just over uh, spend. Somebody else says the next thing they'll want with this heading towards a cashless society is we'll all be chipped as people but they'll all be putting a chip on us uh, instead. We were talking about how busy beaches were yesterday in parts of West Cork. Mary said Cahar Daniel yesterday. Oh my God. I don't know how cars were not scratched etc. The amount of cars and jeeps 
unreal, all parked on both sides of what is a very narrow roadway leading to the beach in Cahar, uh, Daniel. Some farmer would make l- a lot of money if they opened up a field for parking and it's one of the issues certainly that Cork County Council, listening to both of our councillors this morning, is suggesting that something could be done but I thought it was interesting John O'Sullivan raising the issue that if a farmer, even an, even if he wasn't doing it to make money, even as an act of goodwill decided to open up a field what happens if there's an accident inside in the field does it then become the farmer's responsibility and God knows we know in this country people seem to think they they seem to think the easiest way to make money is to sue and we've become a very litigious society unfortunately. Back to the wearing of masks some of your commentary in on that and the issue that I have about the, the face masks and the, twice over the weekend I got to, I left the car and it was just those those situations where you're running in to get something very quickly and got to the door of the shop oh, I had to turn back and go get my mask and I think Vincent Jennings of the Convenience Stores and News Agents Association was right when you're doing your bigger shop when you're going to the supermarket and you've got the trolley and you have to remember all of our bags and we got into that very quick very quickly we got into but at the start again remember when you went shopping when the plastic bag tax came in in the very early days you oh I forgot my bags again now you would never go into the supermarket unless you have all your bags with you you would never forget them we're just going to have to get into the habit of always having a mask and I always have masks in the car and normally in my main handbag I would always have, have a couple of masks but when I'm just grabbing a wallet and just running into a shop that's when I get caught without a mask but it's mandatory from today so we've got to start to put manners on us all Hi Patricia on face masks I bought a little basket to keep in my car I've got hand gel latex gloves and my face masks and also some antibacterial wipes all kept in there well done and as soon as my masks are washed and dried I put them back into the car into the little baskets I'm now buying about one or two every week uh, making sure that I have a good supply of them built up that's really really sensible and you're you're really organised and that's the way we need to go and that's the way we all need to get into the that mentality it's like how many of us would leave the house without our phone it's going to be next the phone and the mask you're just going to have to remember to pick them to make sure we've got masks with us at all times I was unaware actually until Vincent pointed it out that it isn't mandatory to wear face coverings in the bank the post office are in the credit union somebody it's now and it's a security reason somebody's saying so now could you be asked to take the mask off in a post office a bank or a credit union or could you just use a clear visor I also think they should be made mandatory for taxis as they are in shops my advice is keep on the mask I don't know I actually don't know if you could be asked in a financial institution to take the mask off what we do know is it's just not mandatory so maybe it's maybe it will be optional we'll see if we can get clarity on that could you be asked by a bank credit union or a post office to remove the mask or will there be signs up saying please don't wear masks when when entering because I was in a post office last week when I was really starting to get into wearing my mask at all times and I had a mask on, I did notice when I went in there that the lady in front of me didn't have a mask on, but the lady behind me did. So, I, you know, but I wasn't aware that it's not mandatory in any financial institution. Someone else by text says, the notion that masks don't protect the wearer is just not true. Why are they worn by pesticide users, miners and the firemen, not to mention doctors and nurses? So this has been a silly tactic on the powers that be to keep the PPE gear for the medics, whereas if everybody coverings from the onset we might have had an even lesser surge 
they just didn't want to eat their words when they know that they were wrong it is all so silly to believe of course they help the wearer the virus doesn't know one side of a mask from the other side little bit of common sense here please uh, folks and I think that's the one thing on the mask there was a lot of mixed messaging uh, certainly at the beginning of it Okay, other issues coming in Hi Patricia could I ask please what's the difference between a pub giving out food and a pub that doesn't serve uh, food. <laughs> yeah, we had that discussion last week. Ask any of the publicans who weren't allowed to reopen last Monday what is the difference. But I think they're just afraid with social distancing and they're just all afraid of people drinking too much. And I think the idea of being allowed to open with food was that you don't drink as much. This is the theory behind it, that you go for a meal. And when you're having a meal, you don't drink as much than if you just went into a pub just for alcohol and nothing else. That was the theory uh, behind it. On the meat factories and what's going on at the meat uh, factories, wouldn't you wonder, says a texter, about the accommodation that some of these foreign meat factory workers live in. If they are barely getting the minimum wage, how can they pay for a place to live? They must all be doubling up and packing the houses that they're living in. The factory owners have a lot to answer for. They pay so little they pay as little as they can to workers and to the farmers rant over. And that does seem to be the big problem with the meat processing plant is the fact that was, we had stats on it last week. 60% of the workers are from overseas who work in our meat processing plants and they do all live together. And many of them live in very confined houses that could be three and four in a bedroom. And I think that listener is probably right. It's done to keep the costs down on rent and to not have to pay out a a large amount of money on rent because many of those people while they're living here are also sending money back home as well so they're trying to save money wherever they can and that became the problem there are people working together and living together and travelling to and from the factory site together so of course if one person gets it it's going to run run riot through that particular house and then obviously they're bringing it with them into the factory setting so yeah that is something obviously that is certainly going to be looked at somebody else is worrying not about meat processing plants but about all of the other factories is there any talks of testing in any of the other factories and manufacturing hubs is that a catastrophe waiting to happen I haven't heard of any outbreak at any other type of factory we've had the outbreaks at the meat processing plants and we've had some outbreaks in building sites and I know there's a crash up the country I might get to it later on who are waiting on test results they've had a couple of COVID-19 positive cases as well which is a big big worry in a crash situation haven't heard of any outbreaks in any factories yet but a listener would I mean but if you go on that theory do we start testing all workplaces every single week I mean it does look like all the meat plants now are going to start testing and will that be on a weekly basis and will it be for all meat Meat processing uh, plants. Uh, Patricia Waring, thank you for your text. Patricia, wearing a mask is a great solution for the spread of the virus because social distancing simply didn't work. Also, you've a lot of foreigners arriving into this country without any control. Put masks on every man, woman and child with no exception. That will be the only answer. And somebody else says we need to close all of the pubs that are serving alcohol. Uh, This listener is upset about the amount of tables that are out on the footpath with people eating and drinking in Clonakilty. Where were the guards? Well, you know, a lot of the restaurants, because they're only allowed to have so little inside 
that that's there. They're allowed now to put tables and chairs outside. And on a lovely, warm, balmy evening, it's just absolutely gorgeous to be able to sit outside and have a nice meal. It almost feels like you're on holidays with one listener. And I don't know what to watch your reasoning as to why you, you feel the area was blocked up, you say, in your text um, and is against having... Is it, are other people for or against that, having the tables and chairs outside. It's, it certainly is something that we are seeing a lot more of now. We're only going to be able to see it during the summer months. I don't know what they're going to do during the winter months. You certainly won't be sitting outside on a freezing, cold, wet, miserable November evening. It could be a very different... It'll be a very different uh, scenario as we head into the winter months. And then a listener on NCT. Has this happened to anybody else? Uh, Patricia, quick question for you on the NCT. My mother-in-law's NCT is out on August 31st. She got a date for the 30th of July, i.e. a month before her due date. When she passed the NCT, she got a cert dated from the 30th of July and not the August date, as is the usual. So her cert is now a month short of the full year. When she questioned this, she was told it was due to COVID-19 and that if she was a day or so later, i.e. if she'd managed to get a test date into August, then the NCT would have given her a full cert from August. Is this correct? I've checked on the website and I can't see this anywhere. Thanking you. I'm really taken aback by that because we've been always... Before COVID, we were always told with the NCT because there's times during the year, obviously the beginning of the year when a lot of cars were registered and the NCT centres become, become really, really busy. And we're all, I thought you, had, you could do your test up to three months earlier than the due date, but you would still get the cert from the actual date that the cert was uh, due. We'll see if we can get any more information on that. But has that happened to anybody else that somebody went in a month before their due date, which you're allowed to do, and then you get your new cert from that date. So technically you're losing a month on your NCT. 1850 If anybody can offer clarity on that, uh, please. And uh, Dan, talking about something that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on on the programme. It's great to hear such good news about the Eagle Chicken Glengariff. And we're going to be trying to help them. They've put up on their Facebook page. They're looking for people to try to name the chick before it finally fledges from the area. How about naming her Hope, says Dan, which reflects how we all feel at the moment as we are all looking forward to better times. That's a lovely suggestion. Dan, thank you for that. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. Dumper driver and a carpenter wanted us for a site in Kanturk while an office manager is required for a busy city motor dealer. Good communications and admin skills are necessary. Community employment positions, they're available in Blarney, Whitechurch, Inniscarra and Kilcully. And a school bus driver is required for the Bandon Kinsale area. A Class D licence is essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Now, Nora Edgeworth is a community music coordinator in Bantry and she's contacted the programme because she's concerned about the effect that lockdown and COVID-19 restrictions are having on people's mental health. And uh, Nora joins me. Good morning to you, Nora. 
Good morning, Patricia. Thank yeah. you for having me. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I suppose, firstly, before the pandemic, outline the work that you were actually involved in. Well, the work I've been involved with, um, Patricia, for over 20 years is volunteering um, in coordination with West Cork Mental Health Services. And we've always worked well together in so far as we can. And over the years, gradually things evolved into arts and music. Um, and I became involved with Kevin O'Shaughnessy, specialist nurse with West Cork um, Community um, West Cork uh, Services, and we have worked together. And in 2013, we set up the Bantry Community Choir, which has been a, a big success. And uh, in recent times, I have worked with West Cork Development Partnership to set up a community band, and we had graduated into group music, you know, I'm not so much doing so much stuff with the choir now anymore, to be more with uh, community music projects and stuff like that, setting up in the community and helping people and inviting them along. They would come from any area of services, um, like in disability section or wherever, older people, we deal with everything, you know, we try to be totally inclusive for people, and we were starting off doing about two hours a day in the fellowship hall when suddenly the pandemic came along. And, and all, then, all that music stopped in March. Everything has completely stopped. Well, the choir is very understandable because it's close contact. And, you know, it would be very hard to sing with a choir if you weren't close together for the different sounds, uh, what have you, you know. So our music, I feel, could go ahead. Of course, it would have to be more controlled. The days are gone, Patricia, as we well know, of just walking in the door to anything anywhere because we have the, the, the face masks and the sanitization and things like that. But I think they're all things that people can adjust to. And, 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 and we can get we can get around us. We can, you know... Yeah, I mean, well, we... I, I mean, we have to. It's the new normal. And, we're, you know, we've been looking in West Cork and Bantry area so far that things have been relatively good. And I think to, uh, there's no doubt about it. The majority of people are conforming and they're doing the very best they can. And I have to pay one tribute, especially to Garda Bridget Hartness, who has been super in the community during this pandemic. She's going around to a lot of vulnerable people, older people, and coordinating and trying to do a lot of things she's for great. Her. And so, she's, she's a, so she, are the she's, rest she's of the country. And I'm sure, oh yeah, and in West Cork, as I said, and people have worked very well together. But... What I am getting now coming across is I being involved myself. Um, I miss it very much because it was my whole life. I devoted my life to this kind of work. And I miss the music and the singing and the meeting people and, you know, uh, trying to help. So what you things. what you were looking for, Nora, is for someone to come up with some kind of a plan, some kind of a roadmap yeah. to get small musical groups together. together. Now, I have spoken with West Cork uh, Mental Health Services, Kevin O'Shannon, and their new assistant director of nursing, um, Vincent Gogan, and they're very supportive now of this plan. And also, um, it would be, I would be hoping that a lot more groups in the community who do different things, nothing to do with us, that are totally shut down, that they would also come together and HSC, I understand, will help people to put things in place with the proper uh, governance and protocols, you know. And I don't see a big problem there. 
I mean, we go to the supermarket, they have to be there, they're in there in the thick of it. Why not in smaller groups, maybe say eight, ten, something around that to be looked at, to come together in the usual way with all, as I said, the protocols in place. And my plan would be for us to do a little music sing along or just people to meet and to talk. Right now, there is nothing there and everything is... and. People, particularly in the vulnerable groups in the Bantry area, are very vulnerable at the moment. There's a lot of serious mental health issues out there. I know people are telling me. And there's a lot of people feeling totally isolated and they have nowhere to go. And there seems to be no joined up thinking or networking, Patricia, to meet this problem. Because the, 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 the problem of mental health is going to be 10 times more serious than the COVID at the end of the day because you'll have people with severe mental health difficulties. The suicide rate is certainly going to grow, and people are... There's a lot of the older people, as you know, have not come out since the pandemic started, since they were told stay inside. They're very frightened, and a lot of them will never see the outside world again. Oh, and it's dreadful, dreadful, dreadful yeah, to think of that. Really, and and I mean, some of the singers and musicians, uh, Nora, have gone online. Has, has that helped yeah, in any has. way? Well... For me, it doesn't. And for a lot of older and a lot more vulnerable people, it doesn't. Because I, to be quite honest, I, I hate using um, the, the, the um, service. I hate using that kind of service because I'm so used to people live. And that's what they want. They want someone to talk to them, something to be with, to be part of something. This is what I've always found is the, is the, is the, is the, is the verbal communication and a face-to-face. And you can still have that. We were in the Fellowship Hall, and it's a fine building, ideal for this for, for groups, and it's got everything there. And you can you can distance social distance there, and you can do everything really. And it's ideal for young or older people or anything. And like this is this is the problem. They're totally left out of everything. No, it's trying to tell them people stay at home, stay at home with what you know. What mm. do they have? They might get. There's maybe some people doing phone calls and that. But I think people need the option if they want to come out and be part of something. Now, we're all going to take a chance and it's all, there's always a risk. We know that. And But I think if we do everything that right, that's right, and we would be guided by HSE and West Cork Mental Health Services. Yeah, and we've heard so many times from people who, elderly people who are missing, you know, active retirement groups, the weekly, the, exactly. the daycare centre. No, no, the daycare centre, everything is gone. And I, can I just say one thing as well briefly about the, the pubs, the local pubs from, from what I know. Now, I know two or three men who used to go in the evening time. They would go down to, well, Danny Collins' pub at the Boston Bar in the evening. I would uh, often see them and I'd be going down. And that was their little outing and they live alone, I know, and... They would have their few points and then be gone home, say, about seven. They didn't want a meal. They didn't want anything. They just wanted to sit down, quietly have their points, maybe look at the television or something. And it's so sad. I see those elderly men now who can kind of hardly go, trying to walk around the road and things, trying to fill in that little bit of time. And I feel terribly sorry for them because I think, that, you know, they've been thrown um, off the wall, as it were, and they have nowhere to go. Are really nobody to talk to. That was the one thing 
they did and they enjoyed it and there was no uh, messing around and not in the pubs in the wrong way's cork as I said they're all sociable those that are operating and you know I think it's very sad that that's taken away so a lot of those people and that their wives would drive them into town as well while they were shopping they would provide all that is gone because there's nowhere for them to go and then we have to take into consideration Patricia people's different different needs in the sense that some like a bit of music they go to a group to others like to chat i mean bridge everything has gone okay their close contact um um issues and they can't go ahead and but i'm sure though a lot of those people would be quite happy to come and join in other groups to do something once everything was in place for them, you know, okay, it's okay. the new, it's the new norm. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, we have to, we have to live with this virus until we get a vaccine. And like, we're let's be honest, it's going to be at least a year away, I think, before well, we're anywhere near a vi- near near a proper vaccine. So we just to live with it. I'm down the road from that. Yeah, life will not still go back to what we always knew as normal, it's going to be different because for a long time to come, you know, as you say, the virus is going to be there. Um, we have learned a lot from it and how maybe to behave better and uh, sanitization and all that doesn't do any harm. And I think if we all work together, that's what community is about. This is not just about the HSE because no matter how much or what they do, we have to step up to the plate out there. They have only so much funding and they cannot find enough manpower to uh, resource everything. But I mean, they have in fairness are prepared to step up to the plate to help us and people like myself, uh, not alone me, to get get little things up and running and go by the, the book, as it were. But I think it could make a difference. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Nora, what are you, what are you missing the most? Well, um, personally, myself, I miss the music because that's what I've done all, all since I started to volunteer, and I miss that, and I miss the communications with all the people that I came in contact with. I miss that, and you know, different things. And uh, I do some advocacy work, and I do other things for people. But you know, it was important to be out there, and I, I would like to thank one other person as well, Bridget Hayes, my dear friend, because. Through health issues of my own, I wasn't able to go out for about three months and it was very difficult, you know, very isolating for myself, but it was on doctor's advice and uh, I stuck with that. And But I miss everything. I miss the... And you see, without communication, especially for older people like myself now, you need to be out communicating because the brain stagnates, Patricia. Yeah, and yeah. You lose communication and you're not keeping in touch. Oh, I keep in touch with the world and everything. But that's not enough. You miss people talking. Human, human contact. That human exactly. contact. And Face to face contact. Yeah. They do. All right. Okay. I think you've 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 sold it really well, uh, Nora. You've put it out there. Let's see what others make of it. But in the meantime, look Can after I, yourself. Can I give you my the number? Because anyone that's interested or anything, can I give you my number to put out there? You you can indeed, and we have it on yeah. file. Actually, John Paul has yeah. it. But if you want to call, file, yeah. Well, that's it. I'm quite happy to. to we'll pass your number on. Anybody right. that, that wants to. Okay. And Patricia, and one other man to remember, he's a great fan of yours on the radio all day long, is Brendan Collins in Scott Road. And he <laughs> loves the song, Come By The Hill, so maybe John Paul might find it for him sometime. Okay. 
All right. And Listen, take care. Take care, Nora. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Nora Edgeworth, who uh, is a community music coordinator in Bantry, looking to bring the music back. And I think there are so many other people who would agree with Nora really missing out on that human contact and that sharing of music and that whole social side and the daycare centres and the retirement groups and people who went to just met maybe once a week there's got to be a way that we can get those services back up and running, even if it's on a much more watered down version than what we had before the coronavirus. But I think she's right. It is leading to isolation and the knock on effect uh, is poor mental health. And we don't nobody really wants to think about that. 1850 uh, 333103. Some of your texts and listeners says, Patricia, I love all the seating and the outdoor dining. Isn't this this, this was listening to me call out a text from a listener who doesn't like it and thinks it's clogging up the area. You can't please everybody says this texter and here's one Hi Patricia I'm just wondering if you have been asked to be the Covid officer in your place of work do you know do you get additional pay for it especially if you're doing your normal job on top of it by the way I am an SNA said this listener can we put that out there so anyone who's at work and I think nearly every business now has a Covid officer somebody that they, they designate it isn't a new job it's somebody who's already working and they get asked to be the Covid officer kind of a little bit like I know in all places of work you'll have somebody who is does the first aid training I know for example we've got fire officers some of the people we work with here will be the fire officer if God forbid something happened like that I know certainly they don't there's no additional money comes with that position but they're just the health and safety people or they're just the the fire officer I don't know about the COVID officer so can we put that out there if you're in your place of work do you know if you are the COVID officer or have been asked to be the COVID officer or whoever is the COVID officer uh, does that position come with additional pay this uh, SNA making the point we'll be doing whatever work needs to be done as COVID officer I don't know what additional work needs to be done but we'll be doing it alongside the nor her normal job 1850 you can text Sadie or John Paul and you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then, get the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. We are C103. Members of the public are invited to help out naming the Glengariffs Nature Reserve's white-tailed eagle chick before she takes flight. Joining me with details, Claire Herdman, who is the conservation ranger at the Nature Reserve in Glengariff. Good morning to you, Claire. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Claire, to talk a little bit about this chick, I believe a lot of people have been following the bird's progress. You had a webcam provided by the National Parks and Wildlife Service. We did, yes. It was the first um, white-tailed eagle nest in Ireland to have a a live webcam uh, following every movement on the nest from when the chick hatched to to when it flew. Um, That was fantastic. The the nest is actually in Glengariff Harbour. um, And, yeah, it's just been amazing to watch the chick... Uh, fledged just 
uh, the end of June, actually. So she's been on the wing. Okay. And she's, um, yep, people have seen her flying around. And she's she's actually satellite tagged, so we can follow her movements. So she's um, she actually flew over into Kerry at the weekend. But she, if she came back to Cork, she knows the right place to be. <laughs> <laughs> and when did she hatch? She hatched on the 15th of April. Oh, I okay. um, Yeah, so, but she flew just when she was just about 11 weeks old, she left the nest. Uh, but hasn't gone far yet, still dependent on mum for, for food. But um, yeah, it was an unusual story because dad actually disappeared when the chick was only about three weeks old. So um, she's, we've been feeding them, you know, we've been putting out fish and uh, venison and various things just so that chick did survive. You know, there's no way mother would have managed to, to raise that chick on her own. So, so it's, raised, it's, raised by a single parent? Raised by the village, I think, because lots of people donated food. We got fish from fishmongers and anglers. Um, uh, One of the ferrymen and one of our own staff put out the food. So, yeah, it it was definitely a a communal effort to get that that chick flying. And she weighed in at, uh, when we put the tag on her, we weighed her. She was a massive 6.8 kilograms. So um, chick is definitely not the right name for her now. She's flying with a a 2.2 metre wingspan. Wow. yeah, as big as her mom. <laughs> do do we know what happened to Dad? We don't. No, he he disappeared, which is would be very unusual um, once the chick had hatched. But um, he he does have a little bit of form. Um, two years ago, he had two nests, so he had he had two females on the go. <sighs> so it's possible he's off with another female. That's the, the best oh, scenario. That dirty rogue, uh, that dirty rat. And what do we yeah. know about the mother? The mother was she's from Norway. She was one of a hundred birds that came over from Norway between 2007 and 2011. She she came in that last year, 2011. Um, she arrived in Glengariff a couple of years ago. There was another female. She actually ousted the the previous female. Um, it, it's yeah, it's it's tooth and nail out there in nature. So um, so she's the she's originally from Norway. And um, so yeah. how how long does the even as you said the chick now is nearly as big as the mom? How long would you expect her to remain with the mother? We don't know. It depends on the individuals, but she she she'll stay with mum for several weeks, even months. Um, the last she's the, the first female white-tailed eagle chick to to fledge in County Cork in over a hundred years. That's but incredible. We, we we had a male chick in two thousand and sixteen here in Glengariff, and um, he left around about November before he left the area. So so she could leave any day, or she could stay around until November. It depends how independent she is and how quickly she learns to, to fend for herself in terms of hunting and so on. And where where would you expect her to go to? Uh, well, the, the I mean, generally they, they, they feed on food, on fish as, as their main prey, so she could stay by the sea or she could go up along a river. But they can travel all over the place. The young ones can be quite reliant on carrion, you know, finding a, a carcass somewhere. We've had young ones um, that have gone as far as Scotland, England, travelled around Ireland, and others are just complete home birds that just stay down in Cork and Kerry. So we'll we'll have to wait and see is she a traveller or a, or a home bird. But she will leave. I mean, she won't. Mother... She will leave. Yeah. yeah, this is her mum's territory. Um, we don't we don't know for sure because the, the the male has disappeared. What will happen in, in in terms of the territory? But yeah, the young ones have to go out and. Um, Find, find their, own, their own, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't. She wouldn't start breeding herself until she's maybe four or five years old. So, in that time, she 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 could have done a fair bit of travelling and could settle settle anywhere in the country. And what have you been calling her up to this, Claire? Have you, have <laughs> just you... been, we've just been unimaginatively calling her chick, although she is <laughs> she she is satellite. Like I said, she's satellite tied, and she also has a wing a wing tag which has a dot on it. So, um, 
Some people have been calling her Dot, but uh, no, nope, we, we haven't given her any sort of pet name, really. OK, and as you say, she's tagged, so we, we you will know, you will be able to follow her. We will be able to follow her, yeah, 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 and, and hopefully follow her until she settles down herself and has her own young. And I say the first time in 100 years, it's just, that's just an incredible achievement. It's incredible, and she, this is also the first single-parent eagle that we know of in the country to manage to rear a chick, obviously with a bit of help, but... um. So, yeah. As you say, raised by the village. And how how rare are white-tailed eagles? Well, they became extinct in Ireland just over 100 years ago. So um, the the only birds that are now here are ones that have been reintroduced from Norway and then their offspring. So in total, there have been 31 chicks um, fledged from those um, birds from Norway so far. So So it's it's successful. But worldwide, are they rare? They're... They they kind of contracted a bit their range, you know. They'd be quite common in countries like Norway and and, the, and around the Baltic, but um, the, the sort of spread into like in Scotland, they were reintroduced in the 1970s. So that you know, between reintroduction programs and natural recovery, that they're, they're starting to expand a bit the population. And they're big, big birds. <laughs> they're big birds. Yes, like I said, she's 6.8 kilograms, which is actually just over a stone. So yeah. that's, that that's big and. When she hatched, she would have only been 100 grams. So they're, they're Goodness. quick growers. And, Goodness. And they're, they're known as the flying barn door, which gives an idea of the, <laughs> the size. The yeah. size. Yeah. Okay, now you've, you've, put, you've got it up on your Facebook page, the looking for suggestions, isn't it? Yes, it's time she had a name. Um, so we're looking for suggestions. If people go to the Glengariff Woods Nature Reserve Facebook page, they'll see the, a post there with pictures of her from when she was one day old till ha- how she looks now. And yeah, we're looking for suggestions for a name, um, whatever takes your fancy. It, it's nice if you, if people give a little bit of description about why that name inspires them. So it could be anything, just a name that you like or something that reflects the year that we're in with COVID, a commemoration, um, something to do with Cork, her Norwegian heritage. There's there's, there's lots of options. We're, we're open to suggestions. And are you already getting a good number of suggestions in, Claire? <laughs> I'd say we have at least 300 suggestions. Oh, that's fantastic. At this Isn't it great? And of course, the the idea that the fact it was on your Facebook page and the webcam was there, I'm assuming people were tuned in from outside of Ireland to to watch Chick. Absolutely, yes. I've, I've got emails, messages, comments from people through Europe, uh, people from America. Um, yeah, so people all around the world were, were, were watching her progress. Okay, well done, well done. Um, Glengariff Wood Nature uh, Reserve is the Facebook page. And when, who, who's going to select the final winning name? The, the, the closing date is the is Friday, it's fr- well, the 14th of August, is that Friday? It's next anyway. Friday, yeah, this Friday coming, yeah. yeah. This Friday. Um, we haven't actually decided who will choose the name yet, so <laughs> we'll need to find a... Uh, yeah, to take the pressure off me. And yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> pass that one on, Claire. Absolutely pass, <laughs> yes, that, pass that one on. And how busy are you at the Nature Reserve? Oh, it's very busy. I mean, the, the staycation has just been brilliant, you know, in terms of people exploring um, the, the nature on their own doorstep. So we've been very busy in the woods. Glengarth Harbour has been very busy with uh, people taking the ferries out to Garnish and seeing the seals and hopefully catching a glimpse of the eagles. So, but yeah, Glengarth generally has, has, has been very busy the last month. So yeah, great to see people enjoying their own their own, yes, their own and country, it's been really, county. it's been, you know, why we're all desperately trying to see the positive out of COVID-19. I, I, I really do think 
people in Ireland who traditionally, who perhaps went to, always wouldn't even think about having a holiday in Ireland, always went abroad, always looked to going overseas. Suddenly we're in a situation where we have to, ha- if you want a holiday, you have to staycation. But people are getting to see what a beautiful country we live in. And even us here in Cork, we don't ever have to leave this county. There's so much to see and do. Oh, yes. On a day like today, I'm sitting on the key wall looking out over Glengarth Harbour and yeah, you couldn't be anywhere nicer in the world. Well done. Well done. Enjoy. Listen, Claire. thanks a million for sharing the story uh, with us and uh, thanks for joining us. Okay, Patricia. Bye for that. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Claire Herdman there at Glengariff Wood Nature Reserve. If you want to go on to the say that's up on their Facebook page. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous pictures. It's one of those things. I kind of got stuck into it at the weekend just to see this beautiful, beautiful bird. But you can see the other suggestions that are coming in if you think what would be a good, good name for this uh, chick. 1850-333-103. I want to bring you, this was earlier on, I read it when I was going through the papers this morning, I spotted this in the letters to the editor's page of The Echo and I thought a really good piece by Pat Quirk. Pat is from Mayfield and he is giving out about something that I think a number of people will identify with and it reads, I have noticed lately that a new source of litter has been the careless disposal of face masks. They are to be seen everywhere along footpaths, roads, forest walks, beaches, outside supermarkets and other business premises at bus stops and in sports fields, just to name a few. To the ignorant, inconsiderate individuals who are responsible for this filthy practice not realise the threat that this poses to other people. I appeal to the people who are engaged in this disgusting habit to dispose of the mass according to the HSE guidelines and to show some regard for their fellow citizens and have respect for the communities that they live in or visit and consequently have some respect for themselves. Well put and as I say it's a letter to the editor today. I picked it up from from the Echo from Pat in uh, Mayfield and I think as I say I think a number of people will agree with Pat in the early days of the lockdown when people were going out and about walking we certainly were getting calls in from people about the latex gloves you know the blue gloves and they were coming in a variety of different colours there was pink ones there was white ones there was clear ones and people were complaining and noticing that they were seeing a lot of latex gloves being disposed of but I think as we moved through lockdown and as we've come out of lockdown and as we continue through this pandemic you don't seem to see as much of the gloves out and about I think because people started to realise the gloves will carry as much disease as your hands will so the most common thing to do is to keep washing your hands and and use the hand sanitizers. so I don't think now maybe I'm wrong but I I certainly don't see as many people using the gloves as we did in the early stages but masks and now that masks have become mandatory would you be fearful that Pat's concerns are going to get worse for the people that do decide to use the disposable ones? I mean, certainly the reusable ones are the way to go because you bring them home, but you've got to remember to wash them and uh, have them with you at all times. But the disposable ones are on sale everywhere. I mean, every supermarket, department store, 
discount store, pound shops, whatever they are, they're all selling the disposable masks. But it's what people are doing with the disposable masks. You're meant to dispose of them properly, but leaving them shrewd on footpaths, roads, forest walks, beaches, really, guys, we just, everybody just needs to cop on a little bit, particularly with a face mask, because you're wearing the face mask to protect other people. So if, God forbid, you did have COVID-19 and you were at the stage where you didn't realise you had it, or maybe you have COVID-19 and you never have symptoms of it, but you still can be spreading the droplets and you still can be spreading the virus. And if you are being really good and wearing your mask so as to protect other people, and then you just take your mask off and don't dispose of it properly, that's where the, the virus will start to spread. So please, uh, we're at the, the stage now where we're all wearing our face masks. It's mandatory from today, but we also need to be so careful about how we are disposing of them. Please dispose of them correctly. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls with a reminder that uh, Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, will be joining us after half past 12 today. So anyone that has a question for Annalise, you can get those into us, please. You can text or WhatsApp them as well to 0862 103 103. And thank you to John from Blackpool when we're discussing the wearing of masks and how it's now mandatory from today. John from Blackpool says, just on a lighter note, last Saturday, John spotted a man who was out uh, walking with his collie dog. The man was wearing a mask. You don't have to wear them when you're out, but some people feel safer and more comfortable wearing a mask. So this gentleman was wearing his mask. John said the dog was also wearing a mask. Hi Patricia, our mask mandatory in churches. In our church we have to social distance which has been very well adhered to. No, I, I still can't find churches on the list. This came up again last week when we were talking about the, that the masks were coming in for today. I still can't find masks. I suppose the fact that churches are able to do the social distancing so well. Remember we were only asked to wear masks in in closed spaces where you could end up in a situation where you wouldn't be able to social distance and wouldn't be able to keep two metres apart. So no, as of now certainly I, can't, I haven't been able to find churches on the list so it isn't mandatory if you want to wear one that's fine but certainly not mandatory for churches at the moment that could change it seems to change all the time OK we need to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way your questions for Annalise our nutritional therapist keep those coming in and we'll take a look at some of your comments that will be coming in throughout the morning You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Earlier we had a listener wondering if we could ask other workers, please, if you're asked by your employer to be the COVID officer in your workplace, do you get paid additional money, especially if you're doing your normal job on top of it? This particular uh, person who contacted us was an SNA. Well, that has prompted an email in from Shirley to say, hi, listening to your show about the COVID-19 officers. I work for the HSC and it is a new role which we are required to take on without any additional pay or training. I feel the responsibility is huge and managers are just passing it down the line to be dealt with by lower grades. So yeah as as I had said when I was talking about fire officers, our health and safety officers, our first aid uh, people in workers take that on as an additional role but I, I don't think, I don't know of any company that I certainly have never heard of a company that pays the worker additional money for it and I'm assuming it's going to be the very same with the COVID-19 officers unless somebody can give us an example of a company that has decided to pay the staff extra because I don't think I've heard of it uh, I've heard of anywhere that they're paying additionally for it you're asked to now you when you're asked to take on the responsibility of being a COVID-19 officer or any other role 
I'm assuming because there isn't any extra pay going with it and if you do feel it's something that you're not comfortable with I'm, I'm assuming you're within your, your rights as a worker to decline and say no I would prefer if you asked somebody else 1850 I don't know why this is but we're getting alerted to different scams and we like to share all of the scams with you starting with Jack to say I want to make people aware of a scam that appears to be aimed at older people. The scammers are cloning Facebook pages and then sending friends requests from people you already know. You will then get a message telling you about a senior companion programme. It is a scam. Do not engage, says Jack. Thank you, Jack. And then Kerry has contacted us to say she had a bit of a problem in that a scam, she's an air customer. And she got an email that she received that she felt was a scam. Now She says she contacted AIR and they said it wasn't a scam. So she gave her details and it turned out it was a scam. She ended up having to cut up her bank card, stop all her transactions and she felt that AIR customer support didn't didn't help her. She said three times she was told it wasn't a scam and it was only when she gave the details she discovered her gut instinct was right and it was a scam. She spent three days trying to talk with somebody from AIR. We all just have to be so careful if you've been listening to uh, Joe Duffy across last week my God the people with with Bank of Ireland and is it 365 is their online banking and people getting text messages thinking it was coming from Bank of Ireland and they lost like big sums of money I'm talking about thousands in some cases people's bank accounts were completely cleared out and Bank of Ireland saying nothing nothing to do with us no, it was one of their one of their head people in Bank of Ireland said it was like you handing over the keys of your car to somebody like who in God's name would hand over their keys of their car to a total stranger and say drive away there. It just, yeah, we just, we have to be so, so careful. And here's one that was doing the rounds last week and it got a lot of publicity at the weekend. So we said we'd give a, men- um, a mention to it because of COVID-19 and because so many of us have downloaded the COVID-19 tracker app, even though I know that there's been a problem at the weekend with people who have Android phones. Not all Android phones, because John Paul is an Android phone and he hasn't been having a problem with the COVID-19 tracker app. The app itself is fine, but it seems to be bleeding the battery dry on some people on an Android phone to the point, I think, about... 80,000 odd people deleted the app over the weekend which is what we don't want I know Barry had it was running as a news story today because the HSC are working with Google to try to sort out what is the problem with the batteries linked to the COVID-19 app and I think they've got it sorted out because Barry was saying they're asking people to please download the app that app is important for contact tracing and we were up at something like 1.5 million people have already signed up to us people have really taken on board the idea of you would prefer to know if you've been in contact somebody who had COVID-19 and you'd prefer to know sooner rather than later so you can go forward for testing. So there's, there is a scam doing the rounds attached to that app in that people are getting phone calls claiming to be from the HSE and the phone call kind of goes along with Hi, I'm calling from the HSE Track and Trace Service According to our system you're likely to have been in close proximity to somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19 
This means you now need to self-isolate for seven days and you need to take a COVID-19 uh, test. So straight away, alarm bells start to ring. You're thinking, oh God, who was it? You know, could, you, could you tell me who I was in contact with? Seemingly the scam artist saying, no, sorry, confidential information, I can't do that. But you need to be tested and you need to be tested within the next 72 hours. So the scammer then says, can I get the best mailing address so we can send a kit out to you? So obviously you think this is all above board. You give out your address and then comes the sting. Thank you for that. I now need to take payment card details so we can finalise this and send the kit to you. Now, if you question them and say, sorry, COVID-19 testing, that's free, isn't it? They come back with no. There's a one-off fee of €50 for the kit and the test. Can you read off the long card number for me, please, when you're ready? And when you get into arguments, they'll then try and tell you that you have to pay it, that there are penalties for not complying. Put the phone down. Now, I don't know in, I'm assuming the HSE must contact you by phone or by text message if you are on their app and they are trying to ring to tell you that you, with contact tracing, they will ring you. But the difference is the HSE, to go for a COVID-19 test, it is free in this country. You will never be asked to hand over money. You will never be asked for card uh, details. I straight away would have, if I had got this scam call, straight away would have copped. The person saying you need to self-isolate for seven days. We self-isolate in this country for 14 days. Now, I know the United Kingdom at one stage were self-isolating for seven days. I think theirs has gone to uh, 10. But we certainly self-isolate for 14 days. So straight away there was alarm bells should have started to ring. But I suppose when you get that call, you might get a bit of a, a fright and we're all trying to keep COVID-19 away from our doors. So you'd be thinking, oh, this must be, I have the app, it must be the, the contact and trace. It's not. They will never. And we don't, the HSE do not have any kind of a testing facility where they're going to post the test out to you and that you self-test at home and self-swab at home and send it back. So just be aware of that. And will you talk to other people about that and let other people know that that's going on? It's a great big hairy scam and it's a way of getting money out of you. So please just hang up on those people immediately. Can we go back to the wearing of face coverings and face masks from today and then the disposing of it and how some people are just dumping them and they're going to end up uh, they're already starting to end up almost as a blight on the countryside so we just need to if you're going to use disposable masks you please need to dispose of them properly Mary is suggesting why not ban the sale of disposable masks or put a levy on them a little bit like what they do with the plastic bags. I would encourage people to buy reusable ones and not litter our countryside with them, says Mary. Yeah, and I think, in fairness, Mary, I think the longer we're wearing masks, and we will be, it'll be the new norm, I'm predicting for a year. Anyway, we'll all be wearing the masks. And I think as people start to realise we're in this for the long haul, I think people will start getting the reusable ones, a little bit like the plastic bags. We st- We didn't want to pay out the money on the disposable plastic bags so we all bring our own I think we'll be doing the same with the face masks I think as time goes on we'll start to see less and less of the disposable masks because that is an expensive way to be going around if you're using disposable masks all of the time you're better off getting your reusable ones there's so many different types out there until you find one that you're comfortable with and that you're happy with I could nearly open a shop I have so many masks at the moment ones I like ones I don't like I kept trying ones 
I'm still, I'm about 95% there, I think, with my mask of choice. And Mary also said, and I'm surprised by this, that Mary went last week to donate blood at her blood donor clinic and she went sporting her face mask as she knew the staff were going to be in close contact. So she thought that was the correct thing to do. But the nurse said, no, you can remove your mask. You don't, there's no need for you to, uh, to wear it. Uh, for the remainder of your time at the clinic. So she's at different rules in different places. Now, I'm straight away thinking, is that to do with the fact that you're giving blood and they want to make sure that you're not going to faint? You're not going to, you know, is that got something to do with that? Again, I'll, I'll see if John Paul or Sadie can send an email to the blood donor clinic just to find out exactly why they're suggesting that. But I would have, Mary, I would have been the very same as you. I think if I was going to donate blood, I would have been wearing my mask as well. But just to let people know, Mary was told, no, no need to wear a mask when you are donating blood. Hi, Patricia. It's easy enough to dispose of masks and gloves. I carry a package of nappy bags in my car. They're usually under a euro and you get a pack for about 200 in it. So they'll last you a long time. It varies from shop to shop and they weigh absolutely nothing. If you want to pop a few of them into a pocket in your handbag or if you just want to put them in your pocket when you're out and about. I also carry a couple of antiseptic wipes in case I need to use a bathroom. I know maybe I'm sounding a bit OCD about it all but it's become my new normal and it doesn't in any way find a little bit OCD. You are dead right. That is your new normal. I go, I have a tendency now to go nowhere without a little bottle of, you know, the hand sanitizer. That now has become my new best friend along with my 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 dispo I don't use disposable masks so but along with my masks but I do bring little plastic bags you know little Ziploc bags with me to put it into so then I can put it into the wash but I think you're probably right the little nappy bags they're probably the cheapest of all of those bags to buy and they they weigh you are right they weigh absolutely nothing so good piece of advice but no you're not in any way OCD and even yesterday on that fine glorious day that it was I decided to try and get Marcia to venture out of the house which I'm having huge difficulty with. So I took her for a, a short walk down to a local park to go on the, put her on the swings for a little while. And the hand sanitizer, <laughs> poor child will have a hand left on her by the time she's finished hand sanitizing. But the fact that she uses her hands, her hands are her eyes. I have to be, you know, I really have to be doubly on careful because she puts her her hands her, she's a tendency to rub her eyes as well and you know so I, I have to be really really careful but it's, it's just become the norm instead of heading to the park and do have a couple of euro to buy an ice cream on the way home you know thinking about the hand sanitizer with me that I'm going to need at the park it's just it has absolutely become our new uh, norm and a lot of people including my good self surprised to hear that if you're in the banks the credit unions or the post offices it seems you don't have to wear a mask and that's for security reasons that's prompted Mary to pick up on a listener who last week approached a man in the credit union for not wearing a mask Uh, Mary calls that lady self-righteous I hope she's listening this morning uh, to fact that credit unions are exempt the lady should use her ears more and her mouth less. Ooh, says Mary, not impressed at all that somebody got challenged in the uh, credit union. And then John is worried about a pub that he knows in a county town where at the where they have been opened and how they're getting around they're not a gastropub, what they're doing and the, the legislation is allowing for it. They are bringing food in from an, a takeaway. 
know, a local takeaway. Some restaurants are hooking up with bars as well and doing the same thing. And then they deliver pizzas is what they're doing. They deliver pizzas into the bar and people can sit at the table, share a pizza, have a pizza, as many pizzas as they want and have their drink at the same time. So that's how they're getting around the rules of the wet pubs not being allowed to open. Well, John says, I know at the weekend the local chipper that they used was closed. So I'm wondering how come people were in there socialising and there wasn't any food being uh, served. There was some in there for four hours and there was no social distancing going on. You seem to, were you inside there yourself? You seem to know a lot about it. He said there was drunken hands around each other. It's total uh, joke. 1850-333-103. Well, John and Clonakilty says, Patricia, on the virus, are the government taking their eye off the ball? When we had a lockdown, yes, we all obeyed the rules. The masks, yes, I agree with what they're doing today. The pub's not opening, bit questionable about that, says uh, John. And then the lockdown of three counties, Kildare, Leash and uh, Offaly. And yet we have airports which are open. Um, and I really don't think that that's or it's open to everyone that is not good no protocols in place for the meat factories and the hospitals this morning with patients for COVID nearly clear uh, says John in uh, Clan so a lot in a lot in John's text there were wondering they're doing some good and some bad I think that's John is what you're saying well they are now looking at a ban on all non-essential travel from countries with high rates of COVID-19 likely to include uh, America obviously and we're now going to have a red list as opposed to the green list you can go to the green list country and you don't have to self-isolate when you come back but the ruling is still to uh, stay at home and uh, staycation the health minister Stephen Donnelly said there will be essentially says there will essentially be a ban on tourists from countries featuring on the list coming to Ireland now we have to wait for this green list to come out there'll be exemptions for Irish citizens returning home and for residents who want to come back here for good for EU citizens and family members as well as workers or people who may travel for essential reasons European Union and the UK will definitely not be on the list countries that are likely to feature will be America and will be Brazil where COVID-19 cases are much higher ministers last night stressed plans were in the early stages and the government sources said the coalition is keen to avoid the kind of confusion that they had over the green uh, list. While travel-related cases have remained small, some countries are seeing a rapid rise in cases, so the risk is uh, increasing. And of course, remember, which a lot of our listeners regularly point out on this programme, how did COVID-19 arrive on this little island? It came, they reckon, the first case came via Irish people returning from skiing holidays in Italy, which was in January and into February. That then, of course, went on to be a COVID-19 hot spot. Then we had, remember, the Ireland versus Italy Six Nations rugby match at the time. It was due to be held in Dublin in March at the time when we were seeing horrific scenes coming out of Italian hospitals. They decided to cancel the match, but of course, no effort was made to deter Italians who had already booked their flights and already booked their hotels and they all came over and people point the finger of blame at those travellers being allowed in. Anyway, the, the government now saying they are looking at, they're in the early stages, so I don't know how long it's going to take, but what they're hoping to do with this red list, there will be a ban, certainly on Americans coming on holidays and people from Brazil are the two main countries at the start that are standing out. But how long we are going to have to wait with them saying they're in the early stages of planning that list for now 
yes, Americans can land in this country and go about their business. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Get your questions in for Annalise. Please text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And the drive-in bingos are continuing this Friday night again. Castletown Bear Development Association, they've got theirs. It's at the pier in Castletown Bear, half past eight. They are advising people to arrive early. I'm assuming that they've been a roaring uh, success. And there's another one, Tim League drive-in bingo, that'll be held in the community sports field on Sunday week, the 23rd of August, three in the afternoon. Gates will open there at two and you're please ask to support. Books will be 10 euro. Kilbritton GAA, they've rescheduled their Golf Classic for Friday the 21st of August. You can contact members of Kilbritton GAA if you'd like to organise a uh, team. And Chapel Hill School of Art in McCroom will have an open day on August 29th, one o'clock in the afternoon. There will be free kids workshops as well as many other artistic attractions. Just some clarity on face masks for the blood donor clinics. Uh, Donors can wear a face mask uh, going into the clinic if they choose so. But please be aware that you will not be able to wear a mask while on the donation bed. This is to enable staff to monitor your well-being from a distance uh, throughout the process. If you wear, if you choose to wear a mask, you'll have to sanitise your hands after removing and replacing it. And Margaret said her brother was at our blood donor clinic He's just back. Tell your brother, well done, uh, Margaret. And the reason they told him to take his mask off is so that he'll be able to breathe naturally and let the blood move around naturally as well. She said, actually, when you think about it, it kind of makes a little bit of uh, sense. So be aware of that. Wear your mask in by all accounts, but you will be asked to take it off. And Mary in Kinsale uh, says that the wearing of masks in church, she says it, it is mandatory. OK, we're going to get this. I'll get we'll get this checked. She was watching mass online from Kinsale this morning and they announced it from the altar. OK, let's get that uh, checked because I didn't think that that was included in the mandatory nature of wearing masks in the shops and the retail outlets. So I'll get Sadie or John Paul uh, to check that for us. But thank you for that, um, Mary. I don't know whether it's going to be an individual one you know for individual churches to decide or not but according to Mary she she certainly heard it announced this morning some of on the wearing of masks in if you go into a bank it's always been the case that you can't wear a motor bike uh, helmet they need to see people's faces yeah it's a security issue it must be a nightmare for Gardaí uh, yeah, and now we've we've been told that it's for banks, post offices and credit unions. Uh, you don't have to wear a mask. And I don't know whether they're going to tell you not to wear one or it's of, of, of a voluntary nature. Patricia, not a not national infectious disease centre and hospital should be pursued in this country. The Minister for Health needs to start improving all the COVID-related facilities by employing medical staff opening more laboratories and increasing intensive care beds in preparation for further spikes. This would then leave general medical services to operate separately without disruptions. That's a suggestion from one of our listeners. And Eileen says, uh, Patricia, uh, can people on the pandemic unemployment payment apply for the back to school allowance? You can. This got announced at the end of last week. Parents who receive the, the POP, the pandemic unemployment payment, the PUP, will be entitled to claim the back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance for their uh, children. Actually, the Department of Social Protection has almost tripled last year's investment in 
the scheme. They reckon this year 153 million euro will be paid out for the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. It was 53 million uh, last year. The allowance is worth 150 euro for a child aged between 4 and 11, traditionally or primary school children. And then it goes to 275 for a teenager or young adult aged between 12 and 22 in full time education. Um, a lot of people automatically got the payment if they were entitled to it last year and it automatically got paid out this year or they got letters to say it was going to automatically be paid out. But of course, there are thousands of people on the pandemic unemployment payment who have never received and would never have been entitled because of their work, have never received the allowance uh, before. So parents have been asked by the government to apply online by the 30th of September. So you do have a bit of time left for that. So that's for anyone who is still out of work because of COVID-19 and on the pandemic unemployment payment. If you have school going children, you are entitled to the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. As I say, you do need to apply for it yourself. And Dennis on a text. Patricia, could you explain to the texter who believes that the masks provide 100% protection. Remember somebody was on saying you're not just protecting other people, you're protecting yourself uh, as well. Well, says Dennis, you're not. It will not. They will not give you 100% protection as a face mask will not cover your eyes. And we do know that the eyes is an entry point for this disease. That's why the narrative exists that you wear a mask to protect others, not yourself. To ensure you are protected, you need to have goggles or a shield on with that mask. That's from Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. John says, Patricia, I must go to the dentist. Just wondering what is the protocol with dentists when it comes you need to wear a face mask certainly going in and I imagine why you're sitting inside in the the waiting room and then when you're taken into the dental practice obviously your mask has to be removed because the nature of the work that the dentists need to do but be prepared the dentist will have full PPE gear on will have the gowns will have face mask will have the goggles visor will have the whole lot and to be honest my dentist always had those visors on. Oh, well, those are the goggles on. She always wears goggles and she always has a face mask on. Don't know if she, she, she hadn't, she wasn't wearing gowns before COVID, but since COVID that is coming in. And I know for a lot of dentists, there's an extra charge to cover the cost of the, of the PPE gear. But my advice, John, would be wear your own face mask going in while you're waiting in the waiting room. But as soon as you go into the, dent, go into the dentist chair, you will be asked to remove it. 1850 Let's take a break. And we're back with Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, answering all your questions. You can still text or WhatsApp your question to 0862 103 103. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Greatest hits coming up from Beyonce. Every time I get in the car, I hear the song on the radio. Niall Horan. It's a bit annoying when they do that. Stick the toilet roll in with the cheese, and it's just a bit random. And Bruce Springsteen. And then we get to have dinner. And then we have some more dinner. And we do it again. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining me. Uh, good, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, Patricia. Did you get out and about in the sunshine over the weekend? I was actually off for the week last week, so it was heaven down in West Cork. And did you get good weather for most of the week? You know, it was a mixed bag, but we had some beautiful days. But I think when you're down there, you'll always get a good few hours to go out for a swim and a walk anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm even saying that when it does rain, it's still mild and then the rain passes and it's, exactly. it's, all, it's always... Exactly. Put on, put on a rain jacket and get out. It's still beautiful. Yeah, we never melt it in the rain, says you. OK, straight into questions. Question for Annalise, please. My husband has a dry cough. What cough remedy would Annalise recommend? By the way, he has been checked for COVID-19, which thankfully was negative. He's taken two different cough bottles, not getting any from it. Okay, so now it, it very much depends on how long he's had the cough from and did, did the cough kind of remain after having a bad cold during the winter or a bad chest infection. Because a cough can sometimes, a dry cough, can actually be coming from the stomach. If that little stomach valve is weakened or if there's too much acid, the acid fumes can irritate the lining, the tiny lining in the um, esophagus and can cause that kind of a dry cough. So it's a real kind of... <laughs> type of a cough and often will get worse at night time when you lie down so if it's that kind of a cough it would be worth trying the slippery elm and the zinc carnison i often recommend the the program of the two of those together for reflux or silent reflux so the slippery elm and the zinc carnison c-a-r-n-o-z-i-n you'll get that in any health shop so if it's not coming from the stomach if it is because of a lasting sort of a cough from an old cold that you had before really what you need to do is you need to nourish the lung tissue. So you're looking for something that has got um, marshmallow in there or mullion. Now, Comvita is a brand. They do different types of cough bottles. The most common one is the Winter Wellness, and I think people will be familiar with it. It's a really popular one in the winter. But they also do a mullion one, and they do a marshmallow one. Um, You might need to ask your health shop to order it in specially because they wouldn't be as well known. And you could try those. And then Delish Clare does a lovely herbal tea called Lung Tea. And uh, actually, no, it's no longer called Lung Tea. It's, she had to rename it. She it's changed the names on a lot of things, didn't she? She had to yeah. because, unfortunately, you're not allowed to make a claim unless you've scientifically proved the yeah. claim. So it's now called Clear Away Tea. And that's the same as the old Lung Tea. And that is wonderful for nourishing the, um, the cells, the very the small cells in the lungs. So that could be great for dry cough too. Okay, good luck with that. Um, Geraldine, I have a low active thyroid. What would Annalise recommend to lose weight? Now, very much depends whether you're on the altroxin or not. If you're taking altroxin and you feel that your, your energy still haven't come up and you're not able to lose weight, it's possible that you're not converting efficiently. So 
the L-troxin is putting the hormone into your body in an active form, which is the safe way to do it because you couldn't put in the active hormone. However, our cells need to convert that to the active form to get any benefit. And for that, it needs something called selenium. So maybe try taking a supplement of selenium if you're on the L-troxin. If you're not on the L-troxin yet, you might want to try a thyroid supplement. There's a whole range of them that you'll get in the health stores, but uh, I know Viridian do one called Thyrocomplex. I have a couple of ones here, practitioner ones that I use for my clinics as well, Patricia, and people will notice the benefit within a couple of weeks on that. Uh, So try those. And then one of the best diets really for people with low thyroid is a very low-carbohydrate diet. So basically you're cutting out your bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, all sugar, uh, you know, chalky cakes, bickies. All the nice things. So you're living, it's a very healthy diet, lots and lots of vegetables, fruits, good quality protein like eggs, chicken, lean meat, fish. And that's generally the best way for people to lose weight, but it can still be a struggle with your thyroid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hi. Um, Boris says, after a bout of shingles, is it normal to feel so tired? Any recommendations we, we food or supplements, particularly after shingles? And how long will this tiredness last? Oh, oh bless. It's terrible. Actually, shingles really does take it out of people. And often people will get another flare up again of it because it hasn't. The virus can linger. So my favorite combination is, um, for a bit of energy, the source of life gold. It is a brilliant tonic and there's stuff in there to give you an instant energy boost in the form of ginseng and other herbs. But there's also all your vitamins and minerals so you get a good nutrient boost. Take the liquid if you can. It does come in tablets, but the liquid, I think there's no comparison. And take it for the month. So that's a great tonic. And then if you feel that the virus is still possibly lingering, I think the olive leaf extract is a lovely natural antiviral. And I took that one year after the, I think it was the 100-day cough, they called it, when I just couldn't shift that cough. And I felt like I could have moved mountains on it. It gave me such a great boost. So a combination of the two of those, the source of life gold and the olive leaf extract. Hi, Annalise. This is Maria. Could you please tell me, is it okay to take turmeric, sage, cranberry and evening primrose while also on a blood pressure and cholesterol meds? Yes, it should be fine. Now, there's two things there that might have caused problems in terms of blood thinning, which would be the turmeric and the evening primrose oils. But that would only be a concern if you were on a blood thinner. Um, but not being on a blood thinner, it shouldn't be a concern. In actual fact, the evening primrose oil might even be good with the cholesterol tablet to help keep your good cholesterol up. So they should all be fine. Okay, next question in. Hi, Annalise. This is from Liz. I was on penicillin and augmentin for a week. They simply didn't agree with me. My stomach and bowel were affected by them. I was very sick uh, while taking them. What can I do to repair the damage? Ah, my God. I remember an antibiotic doing something similar to me a few years ago and it was you thought that the cure was worse than the cause. It can be sometimes reaction to antibiotics can be ferocious. Well, even even if you're not allergic to the antibiotics, some of them are so severe on the stomach. As you said, Patricia, the cure is nearly worse than the, the cause. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the big issue, of course, is that it damages all the good bacteria in your gut and it can take months for those to come back. So taking a probiotic would definitely be the, the first thing that I would suggest there. Um, get a very good one. The BioCult now have introduced a new boosted one, which has a lot more bacteria in it. And actually, I often would suggest to people when they're on antibiotics to take the BioCult or another probiotic at the same time. Now, the antibiotic will still kill the bacteria, but the ones that, as they're passing through, can still prevent you getting that awful sick stomach that you get from taking antibiotics. 
So try the BioCult, boost it if you can get it, and if not, get the ordinary BioCult and take between four and six capsules at different times throughout the day. And then something that's lovely to soothe the stomach when it's very upset like that is um, the silicol gel. It's a, a very soothing type of gel that will kind of settle a lurgy stomach, I suppose, really. It's very, very soothing. And then if you can't get your hands on that silicol gel, it's spelled S-I-L-C-O-L-G-E-L, try aloe vera gel instead um, as a drink. That's, again, another lovely one to kind of cool the heat and the inflammation after an antibiotic. Hi. Uh, could you ask Annalise, please, what supplements would she advise to take prior to breast cancer surgery, having it at the end of the month, and what to take to aid uh, the recovery? Thank you. And you, oh God, can we just wish you the best of luck uh, with that? That's a, that's, a, that's a tough journey to be on. Yes, absolutely. A very tough journey, Patricia. But you know what? I think women are incredibly strong. And um, it, it sometimes really shows people how, how uh, strong they are when they can get through these type of things. Absolutely. I think the big thing here, um, there's no mention of chemotherapy or chemotherapy following the surgery, Patricia. So if you're taking chemotherapy, there, um, unfortunately, there's not much you can take in lines of natural support because it might interfere with the treatment. But if you wanted to build yourself up for the surgery, I think really just taking something to support the immune system if you're going into hospital. I'm a big fan of the, um, there's one lovely supplement actually that you'll get in any health shop called Stolgar Elderberry Complex. And there's a whole raft of things in there that are brilliant for the immune system. There's vitamin D, there's zinc, there's beta-glucans, there's elderberry as an antiviral. There's um, um, some copper in there. They're all very good things to prevent viral um, to prevent viruses taking a hold. So something like that, and even if you wanted to if you wanted to take a multivitamin as a tonic just to make sure that you're going to be as healthy going into the surgery as possible. But I would stop everything a few days before um, because um, particularly as well, just bear in mind if you're going in for any surgery, any blood thinning supplements like um, fish oils, if you're taking those, or the evening primrose oil or turmeric or any of those natural anti-inflammatory ones that thin the blood, you need to stop taking those in advance. And then after surgery, you can start on all of those again a few days after surgery if you're not on the chemotherapy. And again, the Source of Life Gold is a lovely tonic to lift the spirits because it gives you that energy boost with the ginseng and it gives you a bit of more get up and go afterwards. And arnica is always wonderful for healing. But um, just make sure you give yourself a couple of days after surgery because the arnica, they say, thins the blood as well. OK, just look after yourself. Be kind to yourself and you will come out uh, the other side. We wish you the and best of luck with it. Absolutely. And Arc Life is a wonderful, wonderful support to people as well. It's great. It is. It is great. OK, John Paul says, could you call out the recommendations on the, the coughing again, please? Lots of calls in saying, could Annalise repeat what she said about the dry cough? Yeah, so sometimes people think a dry cough is coming from the chest. If it is, it means that the lungs need to be nourished. So you can either use the Comvita Mullion or mar- Marshmallow cough bottles for that. And also Dr. Delish Clare does a tea called Clear Away Tea. And they're wonderful to nourish the lungs. If it's not coming from the lungs, sometimes it can be coming from the stomach where you're getting a bit of silent reflux. So in that case, you, you do the combination of Slippery Am and Zinc Carnosin, spelled C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And you should be able to get those in any health shops. And if they don't have them, they can order them. OK. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise about inulin and is it good to take? So inulin is wonderful to take, Patricia, if you can tolerate it. Um, it is a natural fibre that very much feeds the good bacteria in the gut. So you know when you hear prebiotics and probiotics? Prebiotics is the food that nourishes the probiotics, which are the bacteria. 
So by just taking the inulin, you're actually providing the food for the good bacteria to thrive and survive in the gut. Now, it can cause a bit of wind at the beginning, especially if your your gut is a bit disrupted or if you have any overgrowth of yeast, it can really cause a lot of bloating, pain and wind. So what I always suggest with people is you start off with a very little bit. Start with the tip of a teaspoon and then if you're fine with that, build it up to a quarter of a teaspoon, half a teaspoon and then the full teaspoon and then the heaped teaspoon. And you can put it in with your breakfast cereal or a yogurt. You could put it in with um, a smoothie. It's also wonderful to delay gastric emptying, Patricia. So it's great if you're trying to lose a bit of weight because it helps you feel full for longer. And it can help with people who have type 2 diabetes as well in terms of um that, you know, more steady blood sugar control. Mm. Hi, my seven-year-old son has a bad cough. I've had it for months. Actually, it arrived in the winter and he's just hasn't been able to shake it off. It's not as frequent as it was before, but it's still there. It can sound really deep at times. Uh, Any recommendations? What you recommended earlier, would that be the same for a seven-year-old? Yeah, that would still work for a seven-year-old, either of them. And you know if they're suitable for seven-year-olds as well. So that would be safe. The other thing as well I'd be looking at there is, is there something that's causing an allergy there? Uh, kids are generally much better at bouncing back than that. Um, it isn't normal to have a cough for that long. So have a look at the environment and see has anything changed? Is there any damp or mould in the house? Um, would there possibly be a bit more hay fever? Is there an animal, a new animal in the house that maybe is causing this allergic kind of cough from coming on? Okay, what would you recommend as another listener to take after radiation therapy? So you can feel quite low after radiation therapy and again the skin can be very sore and the area can be very tender. So back to the source of life gold, the old faithful for a great tonic. Um, and then the Dr. Delish Claire healing cream is wonderful and I've given it to lots of my own customers here in the shop um, to put on the area, to rub on the area where the radiation ther- treatment has been to soothe the skin and to help it heal. So a combination of the two of those, I think, Patricia. Okay, and Teresa, I've got sore eyes. My sight is actually deteriorating in both eyes. I take three Maca Shield per day because I've macular degeneration. Would Annalise recommend anything else that might help? So I think in that there's a couple, two things that I would recommend there. I mean, if there's any dry eye, Patricia, the omega-3 and the omega-7s are wonderful. Omega-7 is a type of essential oil that comes mostly from sea buckthorn. Um, and you'll have to buy it in supplement form. You really can't get that in the diet. Omega-3s we can get in walnuts, uh, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, and you can also get it in oily fish like salmon and mackerel. So increase the amount of those in the diet. Also, um, the Mackey Shield is very high in something called lutein. Um, but ly- lycopene is another wonderful one for the eyes. And lycopene you'll get in all of your yellow, orange and red vegetables. So a glass of tomato juice every day for people to keep your eyes healthy. Um, in actual fact, the cooked tomatoes tend to be better than the raw tomatoes. But eat lots of things like peppers, uh, the green and sorry, the yellow and the red peppers, apricots, turnips, uh, anything that has those lovely red colours um, is good for, the, for for everything to do with the eye. Okay, listen, have a good week. We'll chat again next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is uh, the lovely Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. And Carmel is on when she's been listening to people. Various people have been complaining about places being open and they're not happy with it and social distancing isn't going on and just people having a bit of a moan. Carmel says, listen to those telling you, Patricia, about bars and that they claim no social distancing going on and drunk people are falling all over themselves. We've always been told from day one, 
about personal responsibility. If you don't feel the place is safe, then leave. If you feel or if you have an underlying health condition and you feel it's not safe for you to be in that location, then simply leave. Uh, hearing all these busy bosses saying this and that about this place and that place, they really are stupid. If they feel that unsafe in that location, then where is their personal responsibility? You wouldn't enter a zone if somebody was shooting. So why enter a location that you do not feel comfortable in. Well, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon and above all, look after yourselves and stay safe. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.